and uh, sometimes I succeed and sometimes I don't. This morning I was thinking about a couple of um, meant to be meetings. Okay, About nine or ten years ago I remember sitting at the beach, bothering nobody, just relaxing, looking at the ocean. And I seen this guy over, he was going Alabama, Georgia. Alabama, Georgia. And I kept telling him he was really struggling with, you know, them two words. So I got to talking to him, and I know, you know, what he's struggling with. He's trying to decide if he's going to be an Alabama fan or a Georgia fan. And it was Michael. Of course, you know, <laughs> 10 years later, I don't mention Georgia in the pulpit no more except for this and joking, you know. But I am so glad to be here this morning. I tell you what, it's a funny day. It's a great day in the Lord. And, and I will want to tell you about another great meeting we had uh, uh, as far as encounters. Some of y'all have seen me before, some of y'all have not, and, you know, I cut up about how I mess up, and I love to sing, and I can't sing, and we're going to do a little bit of all that this morning. But I want to tell you about yesterday for just a minute. Thirty years ago, God called me into the ministry, and as I've shared with you many times before, I was thinking, how is he going to, why is he calling me for? I mean, I'm just a North Georgia poor kid that just really just, you know, don't know what to do, didn't, no pedigree, no ministry background, and but yet he called me. Well, what I realized on July the uh, 27th, a year before, I mean, a year after, uh, not, not even a whole year, about six months, all of a sudden this young woman walked up to me at a store. We started chatting, and then all of a sudden we realized we knew a lot of people, the same people. And uh, so we went to dinner with a bunch of friends. It wasn't even a date, you know what I'm saying? She was actually with another friend. She was sitting beside. I just kept looking at her, and I just kept looking at her, thinking, man, she's pretty. You know, I just kept on thinking, man, I'm going to talk to her, I'm going to talk to her, but I don't want to interfere with, with my friend over there. So a few days went by, and I remember I was going to Dalton College, and I was bombing English big time. I mean, I was failing hard, and I knew I was just going to, there was no chance. And I asked a friend, I said, hey, I need some help. He said, I know a girl that might could help you. And he said, I'm going to introduce you to Tara Barton. And for 29 years, as of yesterday, I've been going on this journey with her. As a, she's my, as my wife, and I just wanted to bring her in condition to her. You know, I want you to say special prayers for her because she has to put up with me. And as I get older, I know it's much, much harder. And, uh, but she has uh, been my bride for 29 years. And I'm just, I'm just excited to know that God knew exactly what he needed to give me, you know. She, she, she sometimes is that peace in my storm, and sometimes she's that calmness when I'm just, you know, and you can tell I'm going to get cranked up, and I always get cranked up, but she'll bring me back down in the car, you know. She'll remind me of I'm not all that in a bag of chips, you know. But uh, this morning I want to talk to you about rebuilding your faith. But before that I want to play a song. Y'all all know that I love music, and I love this song very much, and I think you'll like it. I'm going to turn my mic down. That's what you sing along with me. But I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to go back to the day, the moment, the second that you said yes to Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm still running off that fuel of when all of a sudden Jesus entered, Jesus entered my heart. And I have, I've never run out of energy. I've never ran out of, of, of hope or desire because he gives us everything, you know. So I want you to go back to your salvation as you listen to this song. Go ahead and turn me down. There you go. Turn it up. I want you to think about the word born again, what it really, literally means to your life to be born again. Maybe some of you this morning are sitting here and you don't know what that means. And maybe this will be the morning that you sit back and say, Take Yes, Jesus. Me by the hand and 
as I'm riding down the road traveling, I think about 1989 and I realize that, you know, the last 30 years it's been such an honor to travel and to, to share God's word and to let him realize that, you know, 
church to church that I go to, I want you to know that this is just not something you do just to be doing. You don't go to church just to be going to church, you know. And you don't sit back and you don't live for God because it's the popular thing to do. But you come to church and you do the things in church because you've had an experience with God. That God found you in a condition. He's seen you for the condition that you're in. And He understands that, that no matter what we try to do to fill that void, you can't be filled. It's got to be filled with Jesus. I want to give you a couple of thoughts this morning. And the first one is this. What if you sit in church your whole life, but you never share Jesus? This morning, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to challenge your heart. But I want you to think about that for a second. How many of you have sat in church your entire life and have never shared Jesus? We say it's the greatest thing that has ever happened to us in our life, you know. As you see me say many times up here, we'll fly away one day, you know. We'll get wings all of a sudden, and all of a sudden there'll be no suffering, there'll be no pain, there'll be no problems. But yet, we sit in church sometimes, and we just get comfortable, and we just roll our sleeves up and get comfortable, and, and just look forward like good little people, and we do nothing. What if you spent your entire life sitting in church, and you've never shared Jesus. Let me tell you the second thought I want you to think about for a second. That's this. And that is, what if you sit in church your whole life, but you never received Jesus? What a travesty. That, that's why to me, when God made me and made me awkward and made me mess up and made me with all my blunders and humor and no singing ability, He made me to remind you that He comes as you, to come as you are, to not sit there and to not get all muddied up and get comfortable where you don't realize that you come in here and you come in here in a condition. You come in here with some lostness. You come in here searching. And if all of a sudden you catch yourself comfortable and you didn't find it, but yet you've not received Jesus, something—it's travesty. It's, it's horrible. Don't sit in church and be occupying a pew and never share Jesus. In fact, your life should be so optimistic and shall be full of love and joy and laughter that the ones that are sitting in the congregation that have never received Jesus will want what you have. Are you contagious? Do you sit back and just look and, and look and never, ever, ever, ever make a move? Let me tell you my next quote. This morning I'm, I'm full of because this sermon's about response. This sermon this sermon's not about sitting there and don't sit there and hold your honey's hand. And you start thinking, oh, it's so sweet. They're holding hands and it's a sweet thing because they're in love. But what you're doing is you're holding each other back. Sometimes you got to let your honey's hand go and say, guess what? you got your problem this morning. i got my problem this morning. And for just a few moments, you're going to go on that great individual journey of that self-walking with Jesus. Not your wife, not your husband, but that walk with Jesus. And you have to, sometimes you just have to disconnect and say, guess what, God? I want to come to the altar. I know that this morning I've come in here with baggage. I've come in. Sometimes your baggage is just thinking that you don't have baggage. A lot of church members, that is the very core of the problem. And it's so funny because when God called me to evangelism, He also made me one special word, fearless. Fearless to tell you the truth. That when you meet with my God, when you have an experience with Jesus, you don't get over it. You don't just take your seat in a pew and take up space until you die. That's crazy. 
There's a world out there that's seeking to come into this house, and it's a shame on them if they can come into the house and be here all their entire life and never accept Jesus. That is a travesty. I'm telling you, church, I want you to wake up. I want you to sit back and be alert because God might be ready to use you at any moment, at any given time. And I'm telling you this morning, I want to give you another quote. And that is this. Ready? Could you stare at it, but couldn't move? Could you stare at it, but can't move? Can you sit in your pew and look at the person in front of you and know maybe they need to hear the... Maybe God's encouraged you to ask them about their relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I feel this conviction. And I know that John's been going here for a long time, but I've never heard his testimony. And I don't know what's going to happen. I just want to know. And you just stare at him and you don't move. I'm telling you right now, that's why when I'm, I, I become, the, I think my new job title as I travel is the greatest uh, 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 greeter. Because I love just to walk around and shake hands and look in people's eyes and say, tell them I love them and tell them, that, hey, you know, it'll take about five minutes and they'll go, oh, you must be the speaker. Oh, oh yeah, I am. Because I might just roam around like I'm a member of your church and go, what's up, brother? How you doing? And I may look at you and go, hey, this tell me one. Tell me the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your whole life. And if they don't spill out that they got Jesus in their heart, well, you know what? I'm on a journey right then to ask them more questions, to be engaged more. But listen, could stare at it, but it couldn't move. Travesty. Here's another one. Have you ever watched something die and do nothing about it? I have, a lot of times I'm at the hospital, you know, and you're called in and all of a sudden somebody's sick and you're, and you're concerned about their, 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 their soul and you sit there and, you know, you're watching somebody die. And you go, oh, it's not appropriate. I, I, I can't do that. You know, you, you, you had them in church and you looked at them but you didn't move. And all of a sudden they become sick and they're going down and their time on earth is coming close to an end. And you stare at them and you don't move. And all of a sudden you go there and you're watching them die. And you go, oh, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't want to think that they're trying to make me think I'm pushing something on. Push Jesus on them. Because I'm going to tell you the next breath that they don't get to have could be in hell or heaven. I know what God called me to the ministry for is because as I get older, listen to me now, I get deeper concerns for the lost. My convictions grow stronger. And I no longer waste minutes, seconds, hours, and times a day. If God convicts me to do something, I move. Don't sit in this church with as great a pastor as you have and just look and watch it something die. Don't do it. It's a travesty. Listen here. Here's my next one. You'll love it. This is, this is, I love this right here. Great dad, but nobody told him. Great dad, but nobody told him. Let me tell you, if you don't realize what's going on right now, I'm trying to educate you. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to tell you little small windows of things that make you aware of the Holy Spirit of God where you may look at a daddy in this congregation. You'll see him coaching ball. You see him being an amazing wife, to a husband to his wife. You see him love, you see, you see a good man, you know? You just look at him and you say, man, everything about that man's a good man. But nobody told him. 
No matter, no matter where, no matter how good you are on this earth, no matter how many kudos you get, no matter how much you are father of the year or husband of the year, or you got a great job and a great career, everybody loves me. If nobody tells him about Jesus, then a great man, a wonderful man, is going to die and go to hell because he has to have an experience with Jesus. I'm telling you right now, I'm on to something. Wake up. Rise up. Don't look at the rumble. We're going to talk about Nehemiah in this minute and how Nehemiah, before he came in the Bible, they just looked at the burning fences and they looked at the turmoil and they looked at how it was just, nobody was doing nothing. But looking at it, something had to be done. And this morning, I hope that when I have altar time, I'm not going to have to beg and plead you. Some of y'all sometimes, the way I preach, I'll get, well, you know, because he's being like he is, I just, I'm going to show him and I'm not going to the altar. You ain't punishing me. You're punishing yourself. Because when you get to kneel down to that sweet, precious Lord that we have, when He gets to hear our whispers and our cries, He knows our aches and pains. He knows where, when we've had too much and we need to have. Man, He services it all. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I am so thankful that I'm born again. We're going to have revival. Nine, ten years, we still haven't done a revival yet because I think I scared y'all that first day and Michael ain't going to have me back, you know. I'm telling you right now, we need to treat every day as a revival opportunity. We need to say, God, you woke me up. I get another day. What can I do for you? And if you do that, I promise you, you'll finish your schedule. You'll get everything done on time. But in that process, you may have divine intervention with a soul that somebody has been staring at them, but yet they're dying. And you'll say, hey, by the way, I just got to ask you this morning, can I take a step further? Can I do anything else in my day till I ask you, where are you at with Jesus Christ? See, I'm going to tell you something. God's making me less and less complicated and less and less I'm getting to be mainstream, you know. What it is is what it is. I will dare not look at something and watch it die without asking. I will not look at that daddy because he adds up in every category in this world that he's okay. I still say, yes, are you born again? Have you come to that place in your life where you realize you're lost and you're in a condition? And all of a sudden, when you and here's the thing, when you realize that, React. Don't let because you come here your whole life. Don't let here because everybody thinks you're saved and you got away with it. Don't let everybody sit here thinking, well, you know what? I do all the things right. I donate. I do. I do all these things. Just leave me alone. We're not going to leave you alone because your checkbook can't get you to heaven, and your participation can't get you to heaven, and you ain't going to get checked off in Sunday school enough to get you to heaven. So here I am. This is me tell you what I'm after. I'm after that daddy that sits there and that mama that thinks they're getting away because guess what? They're embarrassed. They don't want to walk forward. They don't want nobody to know that they've been going here that long and not say, oh gosh, I promise you, church, we're not sitting here thinking that. In fact, the Holy Spirit is yearning for you. The Holy Spirit's present in this room right now and He wants you to not leave this earth without Him. Jesus loves you that much. Let me tell you something. How can you stare at something and watch it die? Listen to me closely here. Nehemiah chapter 1, 1 through 3. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev in the 20th year. As I was in Susan, the citadel, and Hananiah, one of my brethren came with men from Judea and asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped. Now listen who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, Their survivors are left from the captivity in the province, are there in great distress and reproach. 
The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned. Why that scripture today, Bart? Let me tell you why. Because sometimes churches can sit in a condition and just water in it. It's almost like sometimes if you have just enough money to pay the bills and keep the power going and you just are happy and content with that, sometimes it can just mar up on you. And you can just sit in church and you can stare and know that repairs need to be done, that life needs to be rebuilt, that things need to take place. And you just look at it. You just, you just stare. And that's what they did. They literally just looked at the burning walls and they seen the, 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 the problem. They were, they were, they were open to, to, to danger because they had not built it back up, you know. And it just laid there for years. And I asked myself this morning as I walked in the door, I said, Lord, what condition is Piedmont in? Are they sitting there, Lord? Are they content? Are they looking at people and watching them die and saying nothing? Are they paying attention to that dad that's everything, but they're just not sure if they're going to ask him? I promise you, I promise you with all my heart this morning, if there's any concern in my heart about your salvation, I hope, and I hope the good Lord, with the salvation he gave me, when I answered that Holy Spirit, I said, guess what, brother? I just got to know. Tell me that day that you invited Jesus to come into your Are you going to be mad at me? Are you going to be offended by it? And guess what? Even if they don't like what you're giving them, once they receive Jesus, they get that eternal forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? They get that peace and joy. They get, that, they get something that they didn't even dream they could have in their life. You know, All of a sudden, you'll get to realize that you're a new creature in Christ. Then when you walk in the door, you don't walk in and go, well, I'm going to get to my seat quick and I'm going to sit down enough. I'm quiet long enough. If I don't move my body around enough, if I sit back and don't make too much eye contact with Michael, I can just sit here. And some of y'all will do that and do that and do that, and I don't see how you do it. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, as a believer, I walk into God's house and go, hmm, Michael, what's on the agenda today? Michael, what's going on? Like all I heard just a few minutes ago, what that man basically said to y'all is this, guess what? I'm going to bring by about a couple hundred uh, fire, uh, fire detectors, and y'all gonna get busy. Let me tell you what else I heard in that. As you're sitting back and talking about how this house could burn down without a fire protector, let me tell you about another fire you want to miss. Amen. Let me tell you about a fire that never can be put out. A fire that all of a sudden, when you don't make that decision to get Jesus in your heart and you go to a burning hell, there'll be a fire that will never be able to quench your thirst. You'll sit there and you'll just die in agony. And guess what? If you get 200 of those things, that's 200 opportunities to share Jesus. That is 200 opportunities to say, guess what? Our, our, this church all of a sudden decided to say, guess what? I don't want to get comfortable in my pew. I'm going to get up and get in my car. I'm going to say, Michael, give me 10 of those things, and I'm going to hit the road, you know, and go share Jesus. Oh, I, in fact, you can sit back and say, guess what? I'm going to share Jesus with these things, and I'm also going to tell them about the fire extinguisher, you know, or the fire thing. I can't, what's the word? Smoke detector. Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm going to do. It says right here that we sit here and Nehemiah was concerned about the spiritual health and welfare of his people in Jerusalem. And Ezra 6, 14 and 15 tells us about how the temple had been rebuilt in Jerusalem, but it had been many years since the Israelites had returned from exile, and the walls around the city had not been rebuilt. 
Let me tell you something. Else. Sometimes it's not brick and mortar. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes we sit in church and we just sit and we sit and we're in an emotional condition. We're in a condition of sadness and depression and frustration. We sit in church and I just, I just don't get this. I don't get coming to this beautiful house that God created. And you come in. Now here's, the, here's where you got to follow me. You're going to come in with your load. You're going to come in with the stress of the week. You're going to come in with going through the work week, taking care of your kids, your grandparents. You're going to go with all these things going on in your life. And how in the world do you sit in that pew with all that on you and knowing that you can kneel down at this and say, Lord, I've got more than I can handle. I've come into the building and I'm topping off right now. I don't know what to do. And you sit there and you come in that condition and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just says, hey, guess what? I can give you a break. I can give you a fresh drink. I can give you relief. And you kneel down like we do right with my family. We just lay hands on, our, on, on Tara's back and on my children's back. And I say, Lord, take frustration away from them. Let them feel the presence of you. Even when I'm not with them, God, let, let them understand that they're protected way beyond what I can do. They're protected in the Holy Spirit of God. That there's nothing that's not going to be slung down that they can't overcome because God has them. So I'm going to tell you something. We've got to get some excitement back in God's house. I'll tell you a funny story in the middle of this, and it's funny because I try to stay modern. I really do, you know. I know there's, I try, in fact, I got a pair of pants and a shirt now that my children, my wife and my, and my daughter say, Daddy, you got to get more modern, you know. And I don't know what that means, you know. I, I, in fact, I thought they'd got me skinny jeans, and the terror reminded me of the other day, she but they made skinny pants. But they don't feel like dress pants, you know. But here's the thing. There's all kinds of changing going on. There's all kinds of things and ministries we're doing now that are super great and dynamic. But here's the thing. It, don't get, it gets down to relationship. It gets down to burden. You can't dress burden up. You can't dress up stress or frustration. That is what it is. You know what I'm saying? A man can walk in here in that door and look like a million bucks and be crumbled on the inside. A young teenager can walk in here and she's pretty and her hair's fixed and you think, oh, she's adorable, and she is fighting stress. She's all of a sudden trying to decide this lifestyle or this lifestyle. What am I going to do with it? I'm telling you right now, if you don't think the devil's not having a tug of war with him, you're wrong. He wants them. And that's why we got to sit. And here's the thing. Here's my, here's my tragedy. Here's, here's what I think is sad. As I sit back and preach and tell you the importance of letting go and letting God and coming to this altar and relieving that stress in your life, you still hold on to that stinking pew for some reason. You still sit there sometimes and go, man, does he not know that I've been coming here for 30 years and I'm a deacon in this church and what does he think he's doing? Yeah, I think about all that. And I still don't care. I still realize that all of a sudden, if that's a deacon in that kind of condition, he sits there and never moves, and all of a sudden he watches people die without making a move, he needs to come to the altar and have a refreshed anointing of God. He needs to have a couple of hallelujah moments, you know? Because we serve an awesome God. It says right here that, and get ready, it says, believers need to have a heart for others, and we need to be observant of areas. I think a lot of times... We are trying to refine ourselves in church to where we just sort of sit there and we look like a good token of something. 
But God wants us to step back and to roam around. He wants us to intercede. He wants us to step back and ask questions that most people won't ask because guess what? When the Holy Spirit of God convicts you, there's a reason for me to ask you something. Because maybe that response will be to all of a sudden me and you can go on a journey together and we can make life better. See, we're a family. Listen, church. We may be called the flock. We may be called the body of church and all those good words. But we are the family of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. We should not put our judgment hat on, but we should walk in here with full of peace and joy. We should walk in here with laughter and love in our heart. And when we walk in here and we're broken and we're hurting, it should be a place that we can lay it at the altar and leave in peace. I'll tell you my last story this morning. I remember on a mission trip in Jamaica. I remember all the broken children that I had seen. And I remember sitting there in Colantara every day and just crying my eyes out because I was holding those babies that had AIDS and had their arm, no, some had no arms and no legs. And I remember going to this baby ward, and I was with my best friend, Stan. He was a youth pastor. And I remember, you know, ain't, ain't it funny how when all of a sudden you just get serious with God and you say, God, I'm not going to bring all this garbage. I'm not going to question you. I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. Those are sweet times. Because we're sitting in this children's home, and there's 36 kids, little babies in this room, three ladies taking care of them. They're crying. They're moaning. They can't change their diapers fast enough. You can see their supplies are limited. And all of a sudden, this little kid's sitting on the ground named Ira. We're sitting there, and I'm playing with the babies, and everybody's having a good time, and I'm crying because I'm thinking, I want to take them all home with me. Stan's going, hey, Ira. That's how good God is. He kneels down and he starts petting Ira and I was playing with him. We're all playing. We have 90 kids on this trip. He said, I'm taking this baby home with me. God has told me to. Right then and there, he started doing the paperwork. Right then and there, he started talking to Ira as though that was his son. See, when God touches something, when God moves and you answer when you don't sit there like the dead and do nothing, when you take salvation serious, when you understand that heaven is real and the only way to get there is to go through Jesus, when you understand all these things collectively, then you can't sit there and just get old and mean and grumpy. You just can't do it. I'm 53 years old and I started when I was 20 and I still, I can't do it. I may look old, I may mess up, but I still have got so much passion for God, and I hope I never run out. I hope I always stay this fired up, because heaven will be my reward. When's the last? Had, let's go back to my question again. How many of you are going to sit here in this entire life of church and never share Jesus Christ? I'm telling you this morning, I hope you go home and you look up the Roman road. I hope you go home and look up how to be saved. I hope you go home and look at your baptismal certificate. I don't care how old you are. Reminisce. Take the time to look at it and to own it and to love and meditate on it because it is the ticket to fly away. Now, here's the thing that's even better. You get to give thousands pilot licenses if you answer God's will. Not only do you get to fly away to heaven, but you've got a pocket full of, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And I guarantee you, if you'll act and quit acting like you've arrived somewhere to where all of a sudden you ain't got to do nothing no more, God will use you in an amazing way. I'm still blown away with my journey. Still don't feel worthy of it. 
still don't understand through all my flaws how he uses me, but yet he does. Because here's the thing. I don't let the dust sit on me in the pew. In fact, when you catch me sitting in the pew, I'm, I just can't sit still. I just, I'm, I'm full of love. I'm full of action, you know. I think sometimes, and I cut up a lot of times because I sweat like crazy. But here's the thing. There's a reason for that because if all this air conditioning, I'm still sweating. God's saying, guess what? you got to leave everybody. you got to go to the next town. you got to do it. This one right here, and we get him close to an end. As he tells that baby he's going to be his daddy, we all get ready to go back home. We're all crying. But all of a sudden, I seen God just doing work. And God reminded me right then, there was not many diapers. The clothes were sparse. The workers were sparse. There was no air conditioning in the house. It was one of the most saddest things I've ever seen in my life. But all of a sudden, when God took a human and they answered the Holy Spirit. When all of a sudden he wasn't hesitant, he didn't think about it, he didn't wonder about what his wife was going to think or what was going on. He said, I want to be that child's daddy. He celebrated his 22nd birthday the other day. He's an awesome young man. I love him to death. In fact, to sit back and know what he's been through in life has been amazing. But he is a part of a movement. Let me tell you what that movement is. As much as we sat back and watched how Nehemiah looked at that rumble and looked at all those burnt down and there was no protection, when he put his mind to something, in 52 days, in 52 days that everybody looked at in rumbles, he rebuilt. In 52 days, he said, guess what? Apparently you're not going in the name of Jesus. Apparently you didn't get the memo that Jesus, the King of kings and God, is who he is, you know? Because here's the thing. I tell you now, ain't no man going to put no fear in me at my age. But when all of a sudden, if I think I'm disappointing to God, if I think all of a sudden I'm not answering his will, then I'm going to tell you what, that's going to scare the heck out of me. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, if I think I don't line up with God, I am going to be in deep concern. And if I catch myself sitting in a pew, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's present, and all of a sudden the kingdom of God's upon my heart, and I sit there and just look at that altar and go, nah, I hope he throws me through the roof. I hope he tosses me around like a rag dog and says, guess what? Not on my watch. You're my child. What did I tell you when, the, when you got saved? What church did he tell you when you got saved? To do what? To go and what? To go and tell. To make disciples and to go and tell the world. I'm telling you, Piedmont, you've got a loving church. You've got all the tools, all the equipment. You've got the greatest pastor. He's the neatest thing outside of what? I mean, you know, he's awesome. I've been around some unawesome preachers. When I, I said, some preachers. I said, I hope I never come back here, you know. God, please forgive me for saying that. I, I love Michael. But here's the thing. This is God's house. God's got a plan. And he wants you to bloom where you plant. He doesn't want you to sit there and become dry soil. He doesn't want you to get them there and turn brown and look awful and just sit. Because you may think you're still looking good and sitting there, but you will wither away. You'll sit there and you'll just become an old hat. You'll don't want to be around. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you don't answer God's will... When you don't sharpen yourself by coming to the altar, when you don't sharpen yourself by laying yourself on the altar of God and asking God to improve your life, you will become wilted. You will sit there. And I tell you one thing. I do not want to cross heaven and walk in and see Jesus and Him say, Yeah, I've seen you sit on your bottom your entire life and do nothing. I don't want that report. I don't want
window to look at me and say, guess what? I have been knocking on your door forever to tell you the move to do something, and that little girl, because you didn't make that move, did not experience the gospel. The gospel can only be spread through his children. And when his children are aware of all of a sudden, in this town, Piedmont, Alabama, all around you, everywhere you go, everywhere you can throw a rock, there's a young person, an old person, that needs to experience God and how awesome he is. It says in Nehemiah 2.17, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in? Now Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be reproached. Now listen right here, it says that Nehemiah shared a vision that was of God and was a solution to the problem. Listen, we're going to close in just a minute. But I'm going to tell you something. When God puts a problem in front of you, he wants you to solve it. God don't hang on sit there and just pound on your doorway. How can you ignore the Holy Spirit of God? I know that my time on this earth is not very long. I know that as I get older and I watch my daughter and I watch my son, and I, I realize I need to make sure that I am role modeling my life in front of them how to live a life in Jesus. I don't want them to say, you know what, Daddy? I've seen you sort of slack off at the end because I just think you just got tired of it. Listen. I could never get tired of Jesus. How can I get tired of something that occupies my heart? And to me, sometimes when I look walk into church, I can look and see the heart of that church, and I can tell whether what you know. And it, what I do sometimes, I can just tell you, just sort of sit back, and you just get comfortable. You just start taking. And guess what? Let's go in my closing statement. The devil sees you. He said, I'm going to wait a little longer because they're getting comfortable. They're, they're going to sit there and they're going to look at the rumble. They're going to look at the fire and the walls burning. They're just going to stare at it. They're, they're just, I, 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 I can gamble. I'll put all my money on it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to move because they look at that condition. They go, nah, this ain't going to do that. I was a little boy in the projects. Poor, my grandmother, you know my story. Nobody paid me attention. Nobody come up to me to tell me about God. I yearned for a rescue. I yearned for somebody in the church to love on me, to give me an alternative grandfather, to sit back and be a role model in my life as a parent. I yearned for it. Let me tell you something. They're looking at you. They're praying for you. They're yearning for you to make a move. You say, Bart, who are you talking about? The lost. The lost. They may not even know it, but they're in a condition, and one day all of a sudden that condition is going to be so heavy on them that all of a sudden they're going to be like men. They're going to think about suicide. They're going to think about how to escape from it. They don't know what to do. They just know they need a solution. And here you come. Here you come with that beautiful smile, and all of a sudden God on a mission trip, on, on, a, on a meal at the Waffle House, all of a sudden you'll start sharing with somebody your testimony. And all of a sudden, you'll see that interest of that testimony, and you'll start telling them all of a sudden how you were lost, and you didn't think you could make it. And then Jesus come in, and he sort of put a little step to you. All of a sudden, then you realize there's something inside of you that was real. When is the last time that you felt the Spirit of God on you to where you didn't even have to wait on the altar call? 
all of a sudden God told you to get up and to kneel down and to have a holy meeting with him and then when he was done with you you're going to get up better than you were are you going to get up and you're going to be healed I'm meeting a buddy of mine the other day before I come up here and I was in South Georgia last week and he was praying with me and I, well, I tell you, I take it back. We were talking about my car being tore up. And I was telling him about what was going on. I've been going back and forth with the daughters, as I always tell you, I was doing my heart. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, all of a sudden, when somebody's just tired of the talking, he said, well, I'm tired of the talking. And he just laid his hand on my heart. Started praying. I mean, I'm thinking, dude, you're talking to the energy cat. And you just all of a sudden, I was I'm tired of the talking. But he just laid his hands on me. And said, dear Lord, please touch him. It's healing him. Keep on this journey. Let him have peace. Give, give him better. Give him a better heart than he ever thought he had. You know what I'm saying? Just lay hands on me. Started praying that God would touch my life. This morning, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to think about a couple things. Are you looking at the burned walls? Are you looking at a condition and just saying, guess what, I'm not going to do anything about it? There's so many things going on in this life right now. There's so many opportunities to serve God, but you have to move. You have to have a reaction. It says right here that the people knew the wall needed to be fixed. They looked at it in ruins for many years. It was an overwhelming task for them, but not for God. In chapter 3, verse 6, the Israelites faced many challenges. Their enemies tried every way they could think of to stop them, but they understood their mission. Let's go get them. Listen, in Nehemiah six fifteen tells us that the wall was rebuilt. I just now told you, in 52 Days. This morning, you're sitting there. And maybe you're sitting there and you're looking at the dead. Maybe you're sitting there and you're that good father that does all the things right or the good grandfather that does all the things right. But you realize if you were to leave this earth right now that you would not occupy heaven. Maybe you're sitting there and you've, uh, you've been struggling with it. Maybe you sit back and you've been a member of this church quite a while and you just, you know, you're one of those people that say, guess what? If I tell somebody that I'm lost in this church and they think I'm saved, it's going to be embarrassing. Let me tell you something. No, it's going to be a hallelujah party. It's going to be peace beyond peace. Don't let a stupid thing like that hold you back because you know what? Jesus is yearning for you. He wants you. He wants you to come to know him. He wants to give you that peace, joy, and love in your heart. He wants to give you that endless energy so that you can serve him well. Not to sit around and think that you're all that, but to actually dive in and be a servant of God. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you just need to rededicate your life, and you need to get things right with God. I don't know what your condition is, but the first thing I want to tell you is this. If you're sitting there, and you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart, you can pray this prayer right here. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm lost, and I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, the best way I know how, I want to ask you to come into my heart and to save me and to forgive me of my sins and to walk with me for the rest of my life. Dear Lord, thank you for saving me. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you've prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, would you raise your hand if you just asked Jesus to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior? Anybody? Here's my next thing. The altar's about to be open. There's going to be opportunity for you to come down with your children, with your husband, your spouse. Just to spend some time with God. I tell you what I want you to ask God this morning as you come down. Are you sitting there withering? Are you sitting there and you've not responded? Are you sitting there and you know that God can use you but you're not being used? 
whatever your condition may be this morning, I want you to feel that freedom to come to the altar and to kneel down and to just spend some time with an almighty God. He loves you. He yearns for you. He wants to know you and to, to, to communicate with you. So, Heavenly Father, as this song plays, Lord, I pray that your will be done. I pray, God, that you'll just unleash the hands of the, of, the, of the pews, that all of a sudden when they realize they want to sit back and not be tarnished, they don't want to walk in the light of, uh, of doing nothing. God, they, it's the statement alone of never sharing you should rock their world, Lord. And Lord, I pray right now that you just, as this altar uh, comes forward, people come forward, that you'll just bless and touch their lives in a mighty way. And I pray this in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. The church, the altar's open. Terry Lee, will you follow me up here, baby? Thank you. 